0: Sports Radio 1043, The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now,
1: celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio. Here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back and we're going right to the phones because I want to spend as much time with this gentleman as we can. You know, um, we're going to talk more fishing, and joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great, and I I think I find myself, and I bet you're as guilty of this as me, almost every season of the year I say, this is one of my favorite seasons of the year to fish, because there's something different, unique, the opportunity changes. But you know, it's never more true than going into the fall. Not only is the fishing going to get fantastic, it just gets better and better as we get into the fall. But a lot of avid anglers or avid hunters, they put their rods away. A lot of casual fishermen are watching the They're in school. They've got other activities. You get a lot less crowded on the lakes and you get really good fishing. Is that what you're seeing? You're
2: absolutely correct. It's one of the benefits of living in Colorado. We have seasonal changes and each one is a spectacular time to go fishing. One of my favorites is fall and that fall bite up in the mountain lakes and South Park specifically has already begun.
1: So tell us what's going on. Take us uh, through a few of the bites you've got going on. And for people that uh, do want to get out fishing tomorrow, maybe they're not Broncos fans, or we're supposed to have fantastic weather during the next week. Um, If they can get out during the week, where where are some of the places you're seeing fish and how would you approach it?
2: Well, the fall bite in the mountains uh, in South Park, Le Mans, Benny, Terrell, Ontario is on fire right now. We had a trip up there Sunday at Ontario. We got caught. 200 trout. It's literally almost every cast. It's it's fun. Uh, the patterns up there right now are tossing uh, uh, TDs, I call them Tasmanian bevels, jerk baits, uh, cast masters, any kind of spoon. Uh, the trout are running them down right now. What happens in the fall is the lower light penetration in the water, as well as uh, dropping temperature, signals a, a shallow bite in all of our lakes, whether it be in the mountains or on the front range. And in the mountains, that bite has already started. Uh, It just transitioned from a summer bite right into fall bite with the numbers increasing. And it will actually get uh, better as we move into late September and the month of October.
1: Now, speaking of that bite at uh, Antero and, Mm -hmm. and Spinney and those lakes... Uh, you're you're guiding on those lakes so you, people can book a trip with you. They can take their own boats. But I assume since those fish are coming shallow like they do this time of the year, that the person that doesn't have a boat, this is a great opportunity to get out and catch some of these fish from shore.
2: Yeah. So what happens in the fall is, uh, as I said, the lower light uh, penetration and the dropping temperatures signal the fish to move shallow. The, the uh, grass beds that have grown up over the summer months, are still there, they're starting to die back and expose the young of the year bait that's hatched. It might be perch, uh, fry, could be in our metro lakes, shad populations, or just minnows of some kind. They've all been shallow all summer long, buried in those grass beds. But as that changes, those fish, the predator fish, move shallow, whether it be pike or trout, and they feed on those new exposed uh, uh, species that have been hiding in, in the, those grass beds. And that's a, a great time to fish shallow from the bank or from the boat.
1: Now, you see this transition going on in the mountains and the trout, and it's going on in the rivers too, especially yeah. rivers with brown trout, because those brown are getting, and lakes too, are getting ready to spawn. And you're talking about a combination of fish getting shallow just to feed, but we also on those mountain lakes, I'm sure, are seeing the brown trout start to get very aggressive.
2: We, we're catching brown trout. Most of it is either bows or rainbows, but you'll catch uh, eight or ten of those, and then all of a sudden you have a brown on. And you can tell the difference. They pull like a freight train.
1: Oh, it's just awesome. Now, if I don't want to drive in the mountains, or I'm trout is not my gig, where if you don't fish trout in Colorado, you're just missing out on so much great action. But some people prefer the walleyes, the bass, some of that. Now, those are going to go into a fall transition, and some lakes they already have started. I've heard a few uh, rumors about that. What are you seeing for some of the lower elevation lakes?
2: Right. So uh, the walleye bite is still pretty much in a uh, summer pattern. Your traditional uh, techniques are still working. In most of our walleye lakes, blade baits, jigging ramps, uh, bottom bouncers with a uh, night crawler. Uh, if the bite's really tough, sometimes it can be tough days when you're out there, uh, try a, a split shot night crawler, which is a, a finesse presentation, and uh, either drift with it, dragging it along the bottom if there's a nice breeze, or use your electric trail motor and move along, pulling it uh, along the flats and edges of the flats. And you'll you'll catch uh, quite a few walleye doing that. Um, in um, bass bite, uh, all of these species, including the walleye, are going to move shallow this month. It's going to happen as soon as the evening temperatures start to drop. Uh, it, it, as I said, that light penetration and dropping temperature will signal a move shallow to where those remnant grass beds are and to feed on those uh, those bait that are that are hiding there. So, for bass, you want to try moving baits right away because they're going to be chasing that fry around. And I, you know, some specifics on moving baits. Chatter baits are an excellent choice at that time. You can fish them right on the bank or pull them out. Continue to throw buzz baits, throw them right on the bank right now. Uh, those bass are moving up shallow. Uh, spinner baits also work. And, of course, plastic baits allow you to fish them from shallow to deep. And things like
1: that. Now do you find and let's talk first largemouth and then smallmouth. And a lot of our lakes, now the the walleyes are really going to start to follow these shad as they school up. They're going to come shallow, then they're going to end up going deeper. The bass, the largemouth especially, seem to react a little bit different. I don't think they spend quite as, they eat the shad, but I don't think they spend as much time chasing them in open water. Are you going to see these bass stay shallow for longer than maybe the walleyes and opportunistically as long as there's cover? And right now you're using kind of a power fishing technique to cover water. Will you have to change that as the water cools?
2: Uh, not really. Those ba- largemouth specifically, uh, last year I was catching them shallow right up till they closed the lakes at the end of October and end of, end of November. Um, so largemouth will stay shallow. And those mouths will be a little bit deeper than that. They tend to go deeper, look for rock structure, and fish uh, the rock structure in anywhere from 5 to 10 feet of water. Uh, but largemouths do tend to stay up shallow as long as that bait stays up. The key is when the bait moves, and it takes a pretty strong front to move that bait from shallow water to deeper water.
1: Yeah, and it depends on the lake, too. I know you fish a number of front-range lakes. Are you finding that some of the lakes are in a different place, like Aurora tends to be a little colder, uh, Quincy's smaller, Pueblo's a bigger lake? Are we in different stages on those different lakes? Absolutely.
2: The larger the body of water the longer it takes that body of water to begin to move into the fall bite. So Aurora will be the last one to transition because it's so deep, has a hundred foot of water out in front of the dam. Uh, lakes like Quincy Reservoir, the smaller ponds, they're going to transition any day if they haven't already begun that transition. There are tons of fry in those small ponds and you see them on the surface, you can see them in the water, in one to two foot of water. Trust me, those bass are moving up there and feeding on them during low-light periods.
1: Now, another difference between Aurora and, say, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, Pueblo is Cherry Creek, Chatfield, and Pueblo, the forage is pretty much shad-based. We had some shad die off, but it looks like those shad have really come back strong this year. Lots of feed in the lake. Aurora is different. You don't have that pelagic shad-based. Now, you have some shiners. I don't know if they have the pelagic golden shiners or if they're just spot tails, but perch are also a major prey there. Um, What do you see in the difference in how you would approach those type of lakes in Aurora?
2: Right, so the, the, the bite right now at Aurora is still, it's one of the lakes that's still in the summertime pattern. 30 feet is where the walleye are coming from, um, and large largemouth and small smallmouth are pretty pretty deep in that lake still right now. But by the end of September, that's going to change, and those fish will move up on points. At Aurora, you're looking to fish points and flats that shallow up. Um, and you'll find them in that 5 to 15 feet of water early and late in the day by the end of this month. But we're still a little early on uh, that bite They're in 30 feet of water. You want to fish edges and breaks off the points and off the flats in 30 to 35 feet of water right now.
1: And then, of course, in Cherry Creek and Chatfield, um, you're still seeing more of a, the bait is still moving up, starting to move shallow, and we probably won't see that bait in those lakes move deep and school deep where it's more of a spoon bite. Probably tell, what do you think, uh, into October sometime?
2: Correct, mid-October. By the end of October, Halloween, we're having snow, and front's coming through, and that signals pretty much the end of uh, the shallow bite at some of the shallower lakes like Cherry Creek. I will say this about Cherry Creek. The walnut have stayed uh, fairly shallow all summer long. So they're still in that anywhere from five feet of water to 15 feet of water right now. And that won't change until late October.
1: All right. Last question for you here. If you're headed out and you could only go, give me one cold water. And I think that's probably going to be Ontario, but I'll leave that to you. And one warm water bite. Which one? Give me one of each that you would chase this week.
2: I'm, I'm torn between the cold water, spinny reservoir for trophy fish. In fact, I'm sitting in my truck headed there right now and, uh, Intero for numbers of fish. Plus they do put out some nice 20 to 23 inch trout. So if you want numbers, go to Antero. you'll catch a hundred fish. If you want a, a trophy fish, go to spinny in the cold water, uh, for Tasmanian devils and white tube jigs, you can't keep them off of it. Um, On the warm water, I'd say right now I would go for walleye at Sherry Creek. Um, They're still catching them shallow and blade baits, chicken wraps, and like I said, uh, a split shot night crawler works quite well
1: there. All right, my friend, we will let you go, but great information as always, and if they want to book a trip so you guys can take them and teach them about these bites, it's Tightline Outdoors on both uh, Facebook and uh, the website, right?
2: That's correct. Or you can give us a call at seven zero seven seven five seven 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 seven
1: seven zero. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Good luck. We'll expect a report on how you did. Thanks, Terry. Take care. Yeah, Matt Ensley, great resource. You know all the guys at tight line. We tease Nate a lot, but he's a tremendous resource. I hope he's listening right now. He's getting his new truck done at A and A Toppers. You know, he... He's not only involved in the show, but with our partners, too. You know, Sun Power Sports, A&A Toppers. Nate just uh, is really active in the outdoor community, and so is his group. But we're going to have another uh, one of the active groups joining us here. Right after this break, we're going to hear from, some, from uh, Dan Swanson from Fishful Thinker. We're going to talk some more fishing right here on Terry Wicksham Doors on 104.3 The Fan.
3: Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web. 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage. Licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number two. 00716.
1: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones and joining us is one of the probably most accomplished tournament walleye fishermen in the state of Colorado. He is uh, on both the professional walleye tour and other local and regional tournament trails. He's also a pro staffer for people like Lawrence. He's part of the... uh, Fishful Thinker group, and you see any guides, Uh, Dan Swanson. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, there's a presentation that ripped through the last decade of the walleye fishing industry, and I got to admit that it hasn't been a strength of mine. And I had Al Linder on earlier, but I had him talk about something else because I wanted to go right to an expert source on this, somebody I trusted. So, (laughs) So I blew Al off. And I thought, I'm going to get Dan Swanson on. And anyway, but Dan, in all seriousness, I haven't fished. I'm going to be up in Minnesota, but this is a technique you can use here, but I'm going to be up in Minnesota probably using this the next couple days. And that's the slow death rig. And it's really a revolutionary presentation. Can you tell us, give us, tell us about the presentation and a few tips on fishing it. Well,
3: I'll tell you what, um, you know, it started back in the, Probably in the in late 90s, early 2000s, with guys were just taking Aberdeen hooks and they were bending them with this strange bend in it, so it's kind of an S-shaped bend, and then threading a nightcrawler on it, and, and that would spin as you pulled it through the water. Since that time, companies have been making these, so you don't have to bend them yourself; you can go by your own. So Berkeley is making this this new hook. It just came out, I think, last year. It's it's called the Fusion Rotating Hook, and in a size two size hook. And the way the thing works is you thread a nightcrawler on from the you know from the hook all the way up to the hook eye, and this fusion hook's got a barb sticking out the end, so it helps hold the nightcrawler on. So I usually thread it just past the knot, and then I use about then about two fingers behind the hook. After the worm is out straight with the hook hanging underneath it, I pinch it off, pinch off the crawler about two fingers behind that hook, and then the idea is that you rig it on a bottom bouncer with about a four foot leader. And you pull it through the water at one to 1.2 miles an hour because that's about how fast you need to go in order for the, the worm to spin. And then it, and then it's the crawler actually spins around, and it looks like something live going through the water. Uh, um, the, it's it's been a deadly combination. I have gotten to the point where I'll run a regular crawler harness with a spinner on it on one rod and the slow death on the other. And, and in my experience, the slow death has been out fishing regular spinners.
1: Now, in most cases, you're not putting a spinner or a bead on the slow death. Is that right? Just the crawler? Well, or, or do occasionally, can, do you dress it up?
3: Absolutely. There's times when you just you want to put a little colored bead on it, perhaps as an attractor, whether it's chartreuse or orange or whatever color you like. Um, I've been doing really well with the uh, the Mylar winged blades. Um, the You know, the, I think Max is one of the brands that makes them the Max Mile blades. And I thread those. I put a I put a bead on first, then I put the blade in front of that. And the nice thing is that that thing will spin really fast. And there are some days when they want the they want that blade, and some days they don't care. Because I've been fishing Carter Lake lately, and I haven't even bothered with the blade. I've been catching lots and lots of walleyes on this rig without without having to put any blades on it.
1: Now, when you talk about using a bottom bouncer, obviously I have fished tons of bottom bouncers. I've done magazine articles, newspaper articles, TV shows on bottom bouncers. And we all approach bottom bouncers a little differently. Is there certain depths you find this to be effective? Does it get too shallow? Does it get too deep? What weight and size bottom bouncers do you tend to use?
3: Well, I use a two ounce bottom bouncer most of the time because it, it'll cover a good range of depths. But my rule of thumb is uh, one ounce of bottom bouncer for every 10 feet of water that you're going to fish. So, you know, 10 feet, use a one ouncer. A foot and a half, or 15 feet, use a, use a one and a half ouncer. 20 feet, use a two ouncer. But I generally fish that 15 to 25 feet is what i've been finding at least recently and so the two ounce bouncer covers that the idea is to go 1.2 miles an or one mile an hour like i said to get that thing to, the crawler to spin but you want your line running at about a 45 degree angle going into the water and then you know you got your depth just your weight just about right
1: now i agree with you 100 percent. i you know i fish two ounce bottom bouncers with spinners Probably ninety percent of the time, no matter what depth, because i I can keep track of it easily, it doesn't right. flare out behind me yet it keeps them down in a little deeper water and running those speeds now, a spinner might put a little more drag, I don't know, but you're you're running it you're running it pretty slow do you do you find that you if you get too shallow when with that is it too close to the boat? Yes, I have to be deep enough so that you the fish aren't spooked by the boat
3: well, I think yeah, I think. It depends a lot on water clarity. So if you got really clear water, you need, to, you need a lighter weight to get away from the boat because you will spook fish if, if they can see the boat. Um, generally, our water is dirty enough that 15 feet of water is plenty, plenty depth to be able to running underneath the boat.
1: Okay. Now, what are some of the lakes you've had real success? You know, you mentioned Carter. Carter's a little different lake. It doesn't have some of the pelagic forage some of our other lakes do. Horsetooth's a whole other animal in Boyd. I know you fish all of those. Do you use this approach on all three of those lakes?
3: I do. And one, of, and one of the things that I've found is that with Carter, I think those fish are hungry, and I think they're feeding on crayfish and bloodworms and stuff like that. So, so they're pretty easy to catch with just a plain hook. Um, on... On horse tooth, I actually do better with the with a black mylar blade on it. And in the 15 to 25 foot range is generally where I've been catching them, and they seem to want that that or they but they don't. I don't seem to do as well with a, just a regular spinner. And then Boyd Lake, uh, the slow death's been working well there, and I generally run blades on that one as well. So it's just you know you just got to play around and let the fish try different presentations and then figure out which one works and then change everything up to do that.
1: Last question, what's the biggest mistake people make when they're running the slow death rig?
3: <laughs> Setting the hook too soon. <laughs> well,
1: you I know, think that's with bottom you bouncers.
3: To, yeah. Yeah, you and I have talked about this with uh, you know, in our seminars in the past that you're going to catch more fish with the the rod sitting in the rod holder than in your hand.
1: Yeah, people when they set the hook, I used to give a tip. I said, "Watch because you know as a guide, you can see your friend's rod tip even better than you feel your own." And I right. used to tell them if you want to win some beers, watch your partner's rod tip. As soon as it wiggles, I'd say you got one, and they'd set the hook and pull it out of their mouth, so yeah yep. that, that's yep. really good. Last thing we got about thirty seconds here, oh, we got about a minute. Where would you go if you wanted to go out and catch some walleyes? We've got some good weather coming this week. Where would you go?
3: right now, I would go to Carter if I wanted to catch a bunch of eater sized walleye, you can only keep three and you can't keep any over twenty or twenty one if I remember right, but you can keep anything in that that fifteen to 20 foot range, which are, or 20 foot, 15 to 20 inch range, uh, which are, you know, really good eaters. And then there's quite a few of them up there. Boyd Lake's been a little slow right now. They're starting to get a few on guys that are pulling uh, lead core and flicker shad. They're doing all right on those. Horse tooth is just, you know, it's been tough all year, but uh, I've getting a few on jigging spoons. So I think as the water cools, I think tooth is going to pick up as well as all of them will on jigging spoons and blades and, and glide
1: baits. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Dan, we got to run, but great information. I'm Now, maybe I can successfully fish the slow death rig now, and uh, I'll head up to Minnesota and give it a try. But thank you so much for joining us. If they want to book trips with you guys, fishfulthinker.com. Yep, that's the best way to reach us. All right. Thanks, Dan. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you, Terry. Bye. You bet. Dan Swanson, always a tremendous resource. Great angler. Um, just always uh, those guys that all, you know, all the guys that contribute to this show are tremendous, tremendous anglers. We'll take a time out When we come back, we'll change things up. We'll take you out to Colorado Clays on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones. Most of the guys are out wasting shotgun shells on doves right now. So lucky for us, that means we get to talk to Corey from Colorado Clays. Good morning, Corey. Good
4: morning, Terry.
1: Hey, that was a little bit of a disappointment at the Rockies last night.
4: Oh, it was indeed, yes. It was a good game, but not the outcome we wanted.
1: Yeah, but hopefully they come back, get the next two, and they're not only back where they were, but further ahead. So we'll keep rooting for them. Yeah, for sure. All right, you got a lot going on. You know, this time of the year, there's so much muzzle loading season started today. So if you get any muzzle loaders in, because you can do muzzle loaders on your rifle on your rifle range, it's probably because they missed. <laughs> so, right. but you are open to that. But you did want to talk a little bit about the fact that your rifle range. You know, we've got all the other rifle seasons coming up, and people haven't been sighted in if they haven't been practicing. They need to get out now, and you offer unique opportunities at your range to help them do that, don't you?
4: Yeah, well, I was going to say the time is now to get started, but considering muzzle you know, loader started, maybe we're a few weeks late. But at any rate, yeah, we have, we've seen a lot of people this week coming out to you know sight in their rifles. Um, and one thing I just want to mention that today is people don't realize all the cool amenities we have in the rifle range itself. You know, we have sandbags, and um, you don't need to bring a spotting scope. We've got that. Uh, cool system where there's a monitor in each um, shooting lane that shows your target either at 100 or 50 yards, depending the yardage you want. Um, so we've got all, um, you know, all everything you need to get going and great staff, um, range officers on site to help you with any issues you might be having.
1: You know, one of the problems with that video camera that shows the target for me <laughs> is you have to get the bullet on paper.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the first step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it really is a great system because you know the. In fact, your your shooting area itself is covered, and it's heated if necessary. But you're shooting out into open air, so you're getting true natural light, and your targets are downrange. That keeps the air clean and fresh because it is open. But it also gives you more of a natural light, doesn't it?
4: Right, it sure does, and you know, you can shoot prone. Um, it's kind of funny during the week when it'll be, you know, in fall now, a mid-80-degree day or high 70s, but you see a guy wearing his, you know, full hunting gear, which is a great way to practice just, you know, wear the clothes you're going to be wearing, you know, when you're hunting so that you can, you know, as best you can replicate what you're going to be, you know, up against, so.
1: Boy, you hit the nail on the head there. I see so many people, whether it's shotguns or rifles, you know, when you bring that gun up, it's got to feel natural because if you're thinking about where you're placing it, and how it fits, and you're unsure about your sight picture and your aiming, you just think too much about it. That's when you miss. Those things have to be natural, so you're concentrating on the shot. And it's okay to practice during the year so you can shoot, but boy, some of your practice at least has to be done in those hunting clothes. I've seen guys get out there, and the rifle or shotgun just doesn't even fit, and it's terrible.
4: Right. Right. Well, and the last thing you want to do, especially, we have a big shoot going on today. I was chatting with some of the guys this morning and um, talking to a few that have, you know, in my opinion, pretty extravagant shoots planned. And there's nothing worse than, you know, looking forward to something all year and then having a rifle where the scope is not adjusted properly or it, it gets, you know, tossed around in transit or whatever. So it is so important to, you know, make sure you're prepared, um, you know, do the best you can. It's, it's nature. You never know what's going to happen. But at least if you know everything's put together ahead of time, you're at least a step in the right direction.
1: Now, of course, you could come out anytime there's availability. You don't have to be a member at, at Colorado Clays. And right, you can. Right, a
4: public shooting range.
1: And you come out. But there's times when you have clinics, too, where there's maybe a little more in- available. Is that right?
4: Yeah, that's right. So for the third year in a row, backed by popular demand, we have um, the next six Sundays, we're doing sight-in clinics where you can actually bring your rifle and our staff will help walk you through the process um, of making sure that it's exactly sighted in the way that you want to. Um, Space is limited. Last year, we sold out nearly every Session so those start um, September 15th. They're from 8 to 9:30 in the morning. We do you do have to call ahead to make sure that we have space. Um, but we've had a lot of people taking advantage of the expertise of our range safety officers, you know, to help you make sure that you're all ready to go.
1: Well, you know, there's so many things that can happen that if you might not pick up on as a shooter, you know, you're having trouble getting consistency. You might blame your ammunition. You might blame something you're doing. A lot of times it could be a loose scope mount. It could be a reticle that's got something wrong with it. And these guys will help you pick up on that. And you need to find that out now so that you can get it corrected and come back and cite in before your hunt starts.
4: Right, exactly. Yep.
1: So, Corey, you also do some classes out there. Do you have a concealed carry class coming yeah, up? Yeah,
4: we're, we, we're doing concealed carry about once every two weeks. Um, that's about, and they're filling up, um, so that's what we're doing. We do have the next one that I just checked still has availability. Um, next Friday, the 19th, those are held in the evening. It's a three to four hour classroom that first time, and then there's a separate um, shooting session by appointment with the instructor. Um, but yeah, we do offer concealed cor- uh, carry courses as well.
1: You know, I'm going to make a comment here because Karen and I have both uh, got concealed carry and we've been through the training. First, if you're even considering having a firearm in your home or anywhere for safety, you need to get some training. You need to understand the laws and your responsibilities as a gun owner and take those responsibilities very seriously. But you also need some training on how to think and how to react if you ever get in a stressful situation. And taking a concealed carry course, even if you never carry or have a gun, uh, can really be so beneficial to your attitude and understanding of what it means to own a firearm and the tremendous responsibility that comes with it. Oh,
4: right. The information that they teach in that class is just, it's very interesting it's very good information. And, you know, a lot of people get the certificate and never actually apply for the permit. But just what you learn in the class is very valuable information for anybody who owns a owns a handgun.
1: Oh, it really is. Corey, if people are looking to get out there, and, of course, we didn't even talk today. You have Skeet. You have Trap. You have Wobble Trap. You have the rifle, the pistol range. It's open to the public. Uh, you can show up, and usually you can go out and shoot but call if you're worried about availability. But you don't need to be a member, and you're open almost every day but Tuesday, I believe.
4: Yeah, we're open every day of the week except tuesdays from nine to five and we're open year-round and you know like you said just a public shooting range so no membership or entrance fees or anything extra like that
1: you know what i think you should do when people are getting ready for hunting season right now
4: (laughs) What's that?
1: I think you should make the guys come in and work Tuesdays because they're out there <laughs> shooting doves, and right. they've probably spent about $1,000 on shotgun shells oh, exactly, by now. exactly,
4: right. If they're not buying fishing lures, they're buying shot shells. So. All
1: right. Yeah, don't come <laughs> out and talk to JR and Doug about fishing because you'll get no shooting done.
4: Exactly, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Corey, tell them again the website.
4: Okay, we're coloradoclays.com. We're 30 minutes outside of um, Denver.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Okay,
4: thanks, Terry. Go Rockies. All right, bye.
1: Thanks, Corey. There are great people out of Colorado Clays, Corey and Doug and even JR. I hope he's listening because I hate to say that, but no, they're just tremendous, just really good people. We're so proud to have them as a sponsor. Get out, sight your guns in. Don't have a bad experience because you didn't get sighted in in time or you went out to shoot and found out that there was something wrong and it was too late to get it fixed. You're listening to Terry Wicks Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. And joining us from Orvis is Brian Young. Good morning, Brian. Good
0: morning, Terry. Thanks a ton for having us on.
1: You bet. Well, you know, I got a press release. And uh, I know you've been a listener of the show for a long time, Brian. And you know how adamant I am and how almost evangelistic I am about getting youth into the outdoors in one way or another. And I found out Orvis had partnered with one of the local chapters of Trout Unlimited to provide uh, scholarship money to get kids to attend a fly fishing camp put on by the cutthroat trout chapter of TU here in Colorado. And I said, you know what, I want to get this out, tell people how they can participate because it just sounds like a tremendous program and for you guys at Orvis really stepping up. Tell us about the program, Brian. Brian.
0: Thanks, Terry. Uh, yeah, i I got a little bit of a unique angle on the program, and then I'm the fishing manager down at the Park Meadows store for Orvis, and then I'm also the vice president of the cutthroat chapter. So I'm kind of hopefully qualified to talk about it. But uh, it's actually a new Orvis program that they're doing nationally, and they started in this September, and we're really excited about it. It's called the Orvis Give-Back Days. And so what they're trying to do is really focus funding down to local conservation efforts. And within this market, the way it's going to work, there's two ways. One is Orvis is actually donating a flat amount of 2000 bucks, to the cutthroat chapter. And then the other way is we've actually got a kind of an effortless donation program that's actually going on at both Denver stores uh, through September 27th. And if you want to stop by the Orvis Park Meadows store or the Orvis Cherry Creek store, if you're willing to donate 10 bucks to the Cutthroat Chapter um, and you can rate through that through the register very easily, I will give you a $10 savings card that you can use that day. I mean, it's, a, it's a kind of a, an easiest way to make a donation ever and it really doesn't cost you anything. And then the, the exciting thing that you are kind of talking about and alluding to, Terry, is that uh, what the Cutthroat chapter is using this money for is to fund at least four scholarships for at-need kids to the Colorado Trout Unlimited Youth Camp. And this is a fantastic camp that uh, really tries to focus on fostering conservation and fly fishing among young people. Um, I, I can go a little bit more into detail on the youth camp. Would you like to hear that? Yes, I would, please. Okay. The, the youth camp actually, they round up 16 kids, and their ages is 14 to 18. And they take seven days in June, and they, they don't have the exact date set this year, but it's going to be probably the 9th through the 15th. Uh, they know it's going to be down in the Gunnison area, and what they did last year is they actually did it at Silent Springs Resort in Almont, so you can kind of know that the quality of the uh, the locations and the properties they get to use is pretty outstanding. And, and really, the, the focus of the camp is is on river conservation science and fly fishing instruction. So that the campers are, are a really wide range of abilities in fly fishing. You've got uh, complete beginners to, to folks that are a lot stronger. I know... The kid that we sponsored this past year, Dave Papanow, he's he's a he's a really really strong fly fisherman. But even he learned a bunch at the camp. And then the other cool thing about it was he loved the conservation aspect. So it was really a big win all around for that. And then what happens over the uh, the seven days of the camp, they they participate in, in numerous different conservation focused seminars. I mean, CPW comes in, that the Forest Service comes in, and they got a bunch of conservation groups like uh, the NRCS, and they do these hands on seminars and presentations, and the kids really kind of get involved in that. And then they actually go out and put that into practice with some conservation projects that they do and get their hands dirty. So they do some habitat improvement. They do some tree plantings and that kind of stuff and, and really have a lot of fun with that. And then probably the most fun form is the detailed fly fishing instruction they do throughout the week. They're really kind of living and breathing fly fishing. Uh, it's just really a, the camp is a, is a wonderful camp. They, they form these lifelong long friendships, and, and, and a lot of the campers that actually have come up through the camp are now the teachers. So it's kind of got a nice circular logic there as well.
1: Well, you know, there's a couple of things that really jumped out at me while you were talking. First of all, you get kids involved or anybody at any age involved in helping with the stewardship, taking some ownership. It, it really implants that Conservative conservation effort in their mindset because they take ownership. They become a stakeholder. And the other thing is, you talked about friends, and I've written and talked about this for so many years that whether it's family, friends, acquaintances, outdoor experiences create bonds and memories that virtually can't be duplicated through any other activity. The American Sportsmen's Association did a uh, survey just a few years ago about. Adults over the age of uh, 40, and they asked, what was your most memorable experience with your family? 52% was an outdoor experience, fishing, camping, hunting. The next highest was a sporting event, and it was 12%. And it's just on parallel, the bonding that happens when you get away from the trappings of life. We're going to run out of time here, Brian, but one more time, tell people how they can donate to this program.
0: Yeah, the key thing right now is if you can get into the Orvis Park Meadows store or the Cherry Creek store, go ahead and donate 10 bucks to the Cutthroat Chapter. We'll give you a $10 savings card and make it easy as pie for you to get that program rolling.
1: Any websites they can go check it out at? Yeah, the easiest place to go if you want to
0: check it out is you can actually send me an email at at net, or you can go to the
1: Cutthroat Chapter website at cutthroatctu.org. All right, Brian, hopefully a lot of people, I mean, virtually it costs you, and if you want to give more, you'll take it too, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You but you can donate $10, and you get $10 back to spend from Orvis Bucks, so you really you're giving for free. And yeah, and and they're taking advantage of it. Great, great program. Brian, thank you so much. Give them the locations of the stores again.
0: Orvis Park Meadows down the south side of town, right outside the Park Meadows Mall. And then you get the Cherry Creek Orvis, which is going to be on 2nd Street right across from Cherry Creek Mall.
1: All right. Sounds like a great opportunity to help some kids. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Brian from Orvis. Just, I love when programs like this come, come into play, when the industry steps up to help the affinity groups and we get kids involved. I mean, there's just there's just no more you can say i mean it's just you know if we if we help support each one of these individual programs we get more and more youth involved in the outdoors and I firmly believe that the more we get youth involved in the outdoors, one, like I said early, they become stakeholders. They take conservation personally. You know, the true conservationists in the very beginning, before any of the green movements, were the hunters and fishermen who knew they need to value those resources. We welcome anybody else to come on board and we'll help us, because, but we want to preserve our resources The other thing, there's a value system with getting these kids together out in a camp like that or in a setting even for a day that gives them memories, it gives them values, it gives them associations that are very difficult to create in any other situations. Another activity that's going on next week at Pueblo, I want you to, if you can take advantage of this, the Fishing Has No Boundaries is doing their, their, they normally used to do this out at South Park. They're doing it at Pueblo this year, and they take... Uh, handicapped kids out fishing for a day. And I'm going to tell you a story. And by the way, if you go to Terry Wicksham Outdoors on Facebook, you'll see this story. Click on it. You'll get all the information. But I had a young man. He came and said, uh, I went to help with one of these. And a young man in a wheelchair, they put him in my boat for the day. And I said, I thought we, he could handle a rod and he could reel, but he couldn't cast. So I thought, well, we'll fish below the boat for some trout. And we'll get him some fish. He'll have a good time. I said, what would you like to do? He said, I really want to, I've always dreamt of catching a big brown trout. I said, well, that could be a difficult task with just a few hours of fishing to target and catch a big brown trout. But if that's what you want to do, we'll go for it. We had about half an hour left in the time. And this young man's rod just bent over. It was a 25 inch plus brown trout and i I choke up telling this story because this young man, who was confined to a wheelchair, I thought he was going to stand up and dance. He was so excited it was just it was life changing for me. It was just fantastic now they 've got a lot of kids signed up for the event down at Pueblo next Saturday, a week from today. But they are short some boats last time I checked so if you 've got a boat i don 't care if it 's a pontoon boat, if it 's a runabout, a fishing boat, whatever it is. I want you to contact them and see if they still need boats. You don't have to be an expert angler to help this event. They've got resources and people that can help you, but they need a few more volunteer boats so that all these kids get to go. This will make an impact on your life. When you see the challenges these kids deal with, and the joy you can bring to them by just taking them out fishing. It'll be one of the most rewarding outdoor experiences of your life. So if you need more information, just go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. There's a Denver Post article about the whole thing with a link there. Speaking of my Facebook page, you really should follow it so you know what's going on in this show. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is uh, the centerpiece of this show and my column in the Denver Post and our YouTube channel. We put information there. Like if you were uh, like if you liked and followed you Terry like Wickstrom Outdoors on you Facebook, like you would you would know that Al Linder was our first guest for two segments this morning, legendary angler. And you could have listened. By the way, if you missed it, it'll be podcast here shortly today. But you would have known that. You also would have known about the. Fishing has no boundaries event, and you might have been able to contact them and volunteer already. Or those of you that are handgun enthusiasts, if you were following Terry Oakshamadour on Facebook, you'd know that STI. Is doing an event down at the Trigger Time Gun Club right now till one o'clock, where you can go into Trigger Time, whether you're a member or not, use their state-of-the-art facility to shoot these high quality STI handguns that are just what? some of them are thousands of dollars. All you got to do is buy the ammunition. They're gonna have over a dozen of those guns there of different models, and you get a chance to go out and shoot those guns. That's on my Facebook page right now, the information. It goes till one o'clock today. Also, if you follow Facebook, every week on Facebook, you're going to get a link to my column in the Denver Post. It's the best link to follow to do my articles, because they they appear in both the app, in print, and online. And the one version that we link to on my Facebook page always has all the links, and it's a little easier to follow the links, although you can pick it up in the Denver Post app, and you can also pick it up online at the Denver Post. But, you know, if you follow my Facebook page, as soon as one of my articles up, you'll see what it's about. You can click on it. Same time, every time Karen posts a new television show to our YouTube channel. You know, there's over a hundred episodes of the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom on our YouTube channel. Every time a new one is posted up, Karen uh, puts a link to that in our, our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom outdoors. And you can follow that Again, Uh, with upcoming events. Like next week, Steve Panaz is joining us, and we're going to do two segments of Tackle Talk on some of the new Berkeley baits. Steve is the host of uh, Lake Commandos. He's an incredibly accomplished angler, Hall of Famer, and we'll have more information about that on the Facebook page at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So follow us at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Tune in every week here at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan from 9 to 11 for all your outdoor information. We want to say thanks to Kyle for keeping this thing running technically. Thanks to Karen for keeping me on task and setting up all the interviews and what she does. I really do nothing here except smile and talk into the microphone. Those guys do it all. Join us every Saturday. We'll let the music take us to the top of the hour in sports and then Air Force football on 104.3 The Fan.